Nehemiah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, and Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, verse number 6. Nehemiah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, verse number 6. And you'll find these words there. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of the heart. Then I was very sore afraid. I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. That fourth chapter, that sixth verse reads, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. And the subject that I want you to think about today is I got my mind made up. Now when you say that it seems like I left off something I specifically did because this is going to be a self-examination message and then you fill in the blank at the end of the message to find out what you have got your mind made up to do see because all of us don't have the same thing that we need to do we all different people we all got different things uh, in our life we all got areas in our life that we need to improve on Amen. but after the message today, I want you to leave out of here convicted that you can say to your neighbor, I got my mind made up. You don't even have to tell your neighbor what it's about because it ain't really nobody's business but yours and God. But when you leave here, I want you to know that you got your mind made up. Uh, first of all, I was teasing with the uh, ministers in the office, and I said, uh, sometimes 
God will give an associate a message to preach that the pastor can't preach it. He can preach it, but in these churches that we run today, if you say the wrong thing to the wrong people, you might find yourself at a quickly called Monday evening business meeting for your removal. And so when uh, God started giving me stuff for this message, and, and like I said, when I couldn't sleep last night, I just kept saying to myself, God, you want me to preach that? <laughs> and before we even get started, I want to tell every single person in here, I love you. No matter what I say, I love you dearly. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Every single one of the members in it, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you. I want to make sure you hear that. I love you. Anything said is out of love. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come this morning just to say thank you. Thank you, Father, that um, once again you've allowed a few of your children to assemble together. Uh, Father, for some of us it's been since last Sunday since we've seen each other. But, Father, just because we're here, it lets us know that we all have something to be thankful for. We all have something to be grateful for. If the devil is trying to convince anybody in here that they don't have nothing to be thankful for, we ask right now, Lord, that you would just blot that thought out of their mind. Let them know, Father, that everyone in here, every child of yours is precious in your sight. You're not like human families. You don't love one of us no more than you love the other. You love us all equally the same because you sent your son to die for each one of us. The scripture says that you sent him when we weren't even ready. You sent your son to die for the ungodly. Lord, we just ask that you would be in the midst. Do not let your word come back void, but, Father, let it be received of your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Some passages of scripture they in the Bible, and we just uh, we just skip over them. We figure, you know, they have no significance. But everything that God put in the Bible. He put in there for a reason, if for no other reason, to encourage us, to uplift us, to let him know that his word is true and God is not like man, that he should lie. And when we look at the text here, we find an individual that had a 
cushy job. He was the wine bearer for the king. It don't get no cushier than that. You know, if he was like some of us, how we steal from the job, even though we Christian. I'm pretty sure Nehemiah might have took a couple of sips of the wine itself. But with the job that he had, he could have easily not been worrying about his people. Now, when this story takes place, uh, they have allowed some of the Jews to go back after being in captivity. And Nehemiah heard it through the grapevine. How bad a shape Jerusalem was in. It bothered him so that he probably was a happy-go-lucky, easy-going guy that the king recognized right from the beginning that something just not right with Nehemiah today. You know, maybe Nehemiah came skipping in, maybe Nehemiah came hopping in, maybe Nehemiah ran in. To hurry up and give him his wine. Maybe Nehemiah came in cracking joke. But this day, the king noticed that something was troubling Nehemiah. Have you ever just looked at somebody? And when you asked them if everything was all right, and they told you yes, and you seen lie wrote all over their face. Not that they was lying to be sinful, but they was lying because they probably felt like you really don't hear what I'm going through or I really don't feel to share what I'm going through. But when something is really troubling us, it'll show. It'll show. It'll show. But Nehemiah, he went ahead and he told him what was going on and everything. Uh, the king was, uh, if you read the rest of the chapters, uh, you'll find out that the king was uh, acceptive of his ideal to let him go back. The king even told him, you can take anything you want. I'm going to give you. He asked for a letter. When I go through these strange lands, he gave him like a free pass to go through all the countries so nobody would bother him. But just like any time that you're doing something for the Lord, it was one person that made up their mind that they didn't like what was going on. Uh, this character, uh, Sanballat, he had decided that if the Jews decide to build Jerusalem back king while you being all nice and gracious and letting them do this all over again, they might come and overthrow you. Because you know what, in the Old Testament, what you see all the time, Israel didn't always obey God, but all of the foreign nations knew that he was God. They was like, king, you let him build that city back if you want to, 
You know what he did down in Egypt, don't you? You better call some of Pharaoh's kin people. God asked him to let them people go, and he wouldn't do it. He sent some plagues on them people like they had never seen before, ending up with the death of all of their firstborn. Are you sure, king, that you want to let him do this? But the king, being inspired of God, continued to let him go on with his work. And to show how dedicated they were, when you read the rest of these uh, chapters, you'll find out that Sanballat kept coming, and he sent other people to try to distract them from their job. And it says that he even threatened, if he had to, to gather up armies to fight with them. Uh And while they worked on the wall, it said they had their working tools in one hand and their sword in the other. That meant they were determined to do whatever they had set out to do no matter what obstacles came their way. And in the end, we know that the wall did get built. And that took us to chapter 4. And the only reason they was able to accomplish what they did was because the people had a mind to work. Now, you're probably saying, preacher, what did I have to do? Fast forward to 2016. New Mission, Missionary Baptist Church. I want to know this morning, has anything in our church, in our communities, in our families, in our homes calls you to be sad about the state of the mission. Some things that happen, it takes you a while to grasp them. And I think about Sister Carter how she would nag. That's what we thought she was nagging. <laughs> but she really was doing what we all supposed to be doing. And sometimes you have to get older before you realize that some things ought to make you sad. The world has made a serious attack on Christians and the church. But I want to know today, how does that make you feel? Are you sad about it? Or do we just come here Sunday after Sunday, having our church services, leaving out, knowing that nothing has changed at all. 
If you don't think the world is making an attack on the world. See, this is what God, this is what God will do. He'll lead you. I was just flipping through the TV last night, wasn't nothing to do, waiting for it to get 10 o'clock to go to bed. Do you know that 19 started a show last night? The title of the show is Lucifer. Get what I said? Prime time TV done gave the devil a show on Saturday night <laughs> called Lucifer. And so after I seen it, I said, I gotta find out about this. So you know, you, you know you hit the little info button. It had the nerve to say, they gave him a name, I think it was Lucifer Westbrook. Said the, it was the pilot, said his show is gonna be about the devil decided to leave hell to see what he could get into, basically. To see if he could find more excitement on earth. But I know some of you already know that Lucifer Ben done left hell. <laughs> Don't nobody nudge they may cause somebody think Lucifer's in their house. If you got some of them crazy wild kids, you think Lucifer then got inside of some of them. If you go to work every day with these unsaved people, Lucifer is there. You thought you came to church this morning by yourself, but Lucifer jumped in your car. He wasn't even hitchhiking. You start up the car and he jumped right in with you because he said, I'm going out to New Mission this morning to see what I can get into. And then somebody, somebody helped him. Somebody helped him. Somebody helped him. Because somebody walked by somebody that they see every single Sunday that they quit speaking to five years ago so they kept on walking. So we know we know it here. But we need to just examine a few things that have taken place in the church so that we can determine if uh, if we ought to be walking around with a uh, sad confidence. First of all, Matthew 9:37 and 38. We read it all the time, but we don't change nothing. He said, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now, we take a slate every year. Ms. Abby had to remind you, because we're always late, you know, we, we know our people. She tell you to give the president, the vice president, the secretary, the treasurer. Now, I might be wrong, but I want to know 
Where is bench member? Where is bench member in the list of ministries for the church? If it is, I mean, I might be wrong. If somebody is the president of the bench members ministry, would you please work, raise your hands? And I apologize to you. I apologize. If you're the secretary or the bench members, you know, whatever. If you got a job in the bench members ministry, then we want to give you, because he said that you got all rights and privileges as any other member of the church, so we don't want to. That's what we say, so we don't want to, we want to make sure you get your annual day, bench member day. But he intends for every single one of us to be doing something in the church. He intends for us to do something. God is not happy with us coming here every Sunday. And I love Terry and Lynetta. I love them. I love them. I love y'all. But God did not intend for his entire service to revolve around if the mass choir is here or not. Like I said, I love Terry and Lynetta. Shoot, they are Christian salt and pepper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we love them. 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 And we, and we do do the gospel thing up in here. But we need to be sad if that's the only reason some of our members are coming. If you don't believe me, that subject, I got my mind made up. The rest of it was, I got my mind made up to serve the Lord. But half of the members don't know that the men sung that one man's day because you stayed home because the choir wasn't singing. <laughs> you didn't know that. You didn't know they sung that song. Because you found out that they got a men's choir together. And you're like, I ain't about to go hear them sorry jokers sing. And you did whatever you wanted to do that Sunday, and you didn't come. I mean, you you grown, you free, you can do whatever you want to do. I can't, I I can't tell you what to do. Ride by New Mission on the second Sunday. Wait a minute. In the morning. In the morning. Can't find a spot in the parking lot 
because all of the 1045 people done came to eight one time a month. To hear the choir sing. And then you really slipping because uh, God then got hold of Venus and she done did something with that pastor's cause. You're sleeping on them. But on the second Sunday at 1045, after all the church members done went home after 8 o'clock service, you can park anywhere you want. You can sit anywhere you want. If you fall asleep on the second Sunday, you probably can lay down on the bench. That's how much room it is. Put your foot up on the bench and stretch out because there's plenty of room because the people done stayed home. That's the reason in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, it told us as ministers that we were going to do some things that we don't like sometimes. And 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4 says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, which is what I'm doing now, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves having itching ears. That means listen to anything anybody got to say to them. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It's a fable if you think all you're supposed to come to church for is to hear the choir sing. I mean, the choir is here to usher each individual into worship. And then, as wonderful as they sing, you might have to get your mind made up that you're going to worship it. You can't tell me that all the Sundays that they sing, they don't never sing a song that apply to you. You can't never wave your hand. You can't never stomp your feet. But you sit there and you're looking at your watch and you're saying, that song should have been over five minutes ago. That's what I tell them, see? That's what I tell them about the, that's one thing about the second Sunday. They don't do too many remixes and super remixes. But um, when they hear, we'll get that. But I mean, it's all good. It's good, because sometimes, you know, the spirit leads you where you have to keep singing. And somebody really needs, you might think that they don't need it. Somebody really needs to hear you sing whatever you're singing about. But you cannot sit here every Sunday listening to them sing about God and never even move. You can't do it. Fast forward some more. 
to 2016. You'll find these words in uh, Revelation, really it was 14 through 19, but 15 through 16, and I didn't give that to them, uh, but it really covers what has happened to us as a church, and we might need to be sad about it. This was the last of the letters to the seven churches. And in the church of Laodicea, listen to what they had to say about them. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. God just said, I don't care which one you be. If you want to be cold, be cold to the fullest. Yeah. Oh, we got some of y'all. Y'all doing that, so don't worry about that. <laughs> so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit thee out of my mouth. I'm trying to find out today. Is Numitian lukewarm? I decided to get examine a few areas just to just to test this. You do your own lukewarm. God told me to say it. You just make up your mind. I remember being younger, and that's funny how now I can say I remember when I'm younger. Now I'm old, but I remember when. I was younger and came to prayer meeting. Miss Arthur was sitting over there. Miss Nanny B. Underwood. Miss Walena Smith. Half the deacons. Theodore Rice. <laughs> and every prayer meeting, women and men alike, they got up, they set their little chair there, they came up here, and they prayed. We have, and it's not a preacher thing, it's not a deacon thing, it's a Christian thing. We have way too many members for prayer meetings to barely on a good day on a good day have 15 people you determine if we look warm or not <laughs> and then the funny thing about it was you know them people you know they were serious about their prayer meeting and when you're young you be laughing because if if Miss Arthur, if Miss Arthur sung, time is winding up. That's it. If she sung that, if she sung my time and your time is winding up, Miss Nanny B and Miss Molina was not gonna let her outdo them. They was gonna sing a song as soon as she got finished. They was gonna sing something, and you be laughing like, "Wow, they really having a a dueling hymn thing in here." If she sang something, I'm going to sing something. If she sang something, I'm going to sing something. Oh, no, I'm going to get the last song, and I don't know who you think you're fooling with today. 
You ain't going to outsang me. You ain't going to outhear me today. But that's the way they did. They were, you know, they were serious. They were serious about this. And prayer meeting is not for you to show up only when you're in trouble and you want to run to the prayer meeting and you want the people to pray for you right then. And as soon as the trouble is over, we don't see you till trouble come again. You make up your mind if we lukewarm or not. Then when it comes to our children, don't nobody take this the wrong way and say Reverend Brown was talking about uh, people got babies. We have a large amount of children in this church. It is no excuse for one, two, three, four, five, six children in the children's choir. There's no excuse. And then when you talk to the parents sometimes, they be saying, well, uh, they said they didn't want to. <laughs> Don't pay no bills nowhere. <laughs> Don't buy no food nowhere. Don't put no clothes on their back. Don't pay no cable that they look at. But then they tell you what they're going to do and not do in the church, and we don't say nothing about it. Do you think we lukewarm or not? Then it's the, it's the other thing that we got going on. Now, my mother was guilty of this, but I, you know, I used to. I asked her one Sunday. I used to watch my mother just walk all through church. All she passing out Girl Scout cookies, <laughs> giving people their income tax, giving them the income tax that she done did. And I asked, I said, "Well, Mama, why are you always walking around?" She said, "Correction, son." She said, "I only walk around when all that other stuff is going on." She said, "Well, when they go to preaching, I'm sitting down." She said, I might walk around when they're singing. I might walk around when they're doing other stuff. But when it's word time, she said, Minnie Brown is sitting down trying to hear from God. Now, let me just say this. Raise your hand if you was young when you came to church as a child and your parent told you, use the bathroom before you come in. Get a drink of water before you come in. And then, well, I'm going to raise mine too. And then, on the way in the door, tell you, get in there and do not move. The last I checked. I don't never remember using the bathroom on myself. Because I couldn't go get no water five times. 
I don't remember dehydrating, <laughs> during the short time, the two hours that church service. Now I take that back. We last we used to last a little longer than that with Reverend Smith in there. I, I don't ever remember getting dehydrated because I couldn't go get water five times or I couldn't go to the bathroom. My kidneys did not bust. None of us don't have no kidney problems behind getting in there telling you to sit your tail down to church is over. We might have some kidney problems, but some other stuff that we did. God ain't got nothing to do with that. That's us. That's on us, the other stuff. Then in Proverbs, it tells us, 22, train your child up in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they shall not depart. Again, everything I say is love. Our kids go to school. If that teacher call you and tell you they just doing a little bit of the things that they do in church, you will kill them. You cannot allow your child to make the church time, play time at New Mission. Because see what happens when you train them up to what they do? When you allow them to play with their toys when they're little, when they get older, they don't put the toys down, but they text them. They got all their little electronic games because you never told them that during church time you're supposed to be paying attention you're not supposed to be doing everything else and then the other part of it is we have things to offer them children's church should be overflowing on the second and fourth Sunday because these kids need Jesus way more than when we was kids. They need God's protection on them at their schools, where they going to school with a whole bunch of other children that ain't never heard about Jesus. They need God's protection so that they not getting bullied at the daycare on the school bus. So we have to prioritize and make up our mind and get sad about some of the things that we see and try to see if we can't correct them. So your I got my mind made up might be I'm not going to let my child play in church next week. But it's, you know, it, it is uh, a lot going on that we just overlook. And you know the other thing, if you, if, see, you have to be a preacher to understand this one. You know every Sunday that pastor opens the doors of the church and don't nobody come, we ought to be sad. It ought to bother us. It ought to bother us because... One, pastor preaches twice a week. Uh -huh. 
in between that time of trying to get ready to preach, pastor might have five counseling sessions. Don't let no member get sick or have surgery. Don't let no member pass. And he got to do a funeral. And he comes in here and he pours his heart out. And then at invitation, nobody comes. We ought to be sad about that. What ought to make us sad about that is it's good that those of us that know him, we come, we get uplifted, we get encouraged because we had a bad week. But the main purpose of the church is to save souls. So probably the reason nobody is joining when he's doing the invitation because we done left the unsaved members of our family at home when we left. The other thing that could be happening is, and it probably does happen a lot, it might be individuals in here that are not saved. But do you know at invitation time, every Christian need to be praying? Because Satan is trying to convince every unsaved individual in here that you not worthy to be saved. When pastor telling them, you know, he doesn't shed his blood, you all right, the devil is telling them, girl, please. Boy, please. What church you think going to take you? But in essence, it done took all of us. It done took all of us. Some things done happened to all of us. We all done did some things. Now, ain't no need us pretending like, wait, we all done did some things. We done did some things. We done did some things. I done did some things. I ain't going to sit up here and say I ain't did some things. When I look back and see just how far he has bought me. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm talking about me. Just how far he done bought me. And that's what you need to say. But there is no excuse for you to get up and come to church on Sunday and not invite your unsaved family members. You can't make them come. And then sometimes, you know what, the devil will take a good thing and confuse it. Because I used to not tell people when I preach because I thought that was, you know, I didn't think that was right. Like my sons when they say, oh, daddy, well, you preaching, we coming. And I tell them, I say, well, preaching go on every Sunday. You don't have to come because I'm preaching. But I shouldn't have said that because if God knows that's the only Sunday my sons is coming, they get in the door, God will take care of the rest. <laughs> so we have to make sure that we doing our part. We ought to be sad when we come here 
every Sunday. And like I said, I like all of you. I mean, I love everybody. I like seeing everybody, this and that, the other. But we ought to get tired of coming here and seeing each other every Sunday. We already saved. We already saved. We already saved. We got a whole lot of stuff going on for already saved people. Midday Bible class. Pastor's Bible class. Thursday night Bible class. I'm not knocking Bible class, but is you asking somebody that don't know Jesus to come to these classes? All the stuff you learning in these classes, is you going to tell your co-workers about it? I mean, it don't make no difference. I mean, if your family get mad at you, oh, well. I mean, somebody done been mad at you before, I know. And then you done been mad at some people. But you got over it. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. You got mad at them. They got mad at you. And then you later on, you know, so you might have walked by them four or five times and didn't speak to them. You better say, oh, it ain't worth it. I might as well go ahead and speak to that helpful. I might as well go ahead and speak to them. Yeah, I might as well speak to them. They walk around just as happy. They don't care that I don't speak. So what, who am I hurting? They don't even care if I speak to them. They probably, they probably sit on their breath. I hope he don't speak today. I hope he don't speak. I hope he don't speak. I don't care if he never speak to me. I hope he don't speak. I hope he don't speak. He ain't got to never speak to me. I'll be just fine. But when we come in here every single Sunday and we see the same people, the same saved people, what are we doing? It's good that you come in to get your, uh, get filled up for the week and this, that, the other. But we need to be telling other people about Jesus. Now, if you want to make sure that you yourself are not lukewarm, you can examine some scriptures to kind of measure your own temperature. See, don't be talking about nobody else lukewarm and you know you lukewarm yourself. You pointing to everybody else. Oh, yeah, they lukewarm. Oh, yeah, she lukewarm. I know they lukewarm. Oh, that whole row, they lukewarm. But you ain't looking at yourself. Philippians 3, 7 and 8 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. That means you have made a concerted effort that Christ is going to be the most important thing in your life. And you have to get to that point. God has to get you to that point. Eight says, yea, doubtless, and I count all these things, but the loss of excellency for the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that it that I may win Christ. Amen. Hey, that's kind of low down. He said he's counting everything else that ain't got nothing to do with Christ. We'll just uh, clean it up. It's poop. <laughs> it don't matter to him. It don't matter. It don't matter. But we have to get to the place where we're going to make up our mind that Christ is the most important thing in our life. It has to be. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
we need to tell some of our visitors or some of our unsaved people that come, don't worry about you don't have it all together. We didn't have it all together when we came. We still don't have it all together. But we know somebody that will forget about our not having it all together. You have to be able to tell somebody that's going through something, saved or unsaved. You have to be able to tell them this with convictions, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. You have to believe that when you're telling a non-saved person that God will make it all right. We didn't say he was going to fix it. We said he'll make it all right. He'll make it so you can endure it. He'll make it so that individual that you said, if you just, if I could just get my hands around the throat, Lord, he'll make you forget about that. Then if you want to measure yourself, be able to tell somebody that comes in here from John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Somebody needs to know that they can have peace. They can have peace. They can have peace. But they got to be trying to get it. We got to be trying to tell them about it. But the one don't work without the other. Now, as we get ready to end this, we need to be able to tell some people some certain things. They need to know that God is all in all. They need to know that he is the one and only. Isaiah 40 and 25, God made a statement about, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? But God is saying, if you give them God, you done gave them enough. I don't care what kind of problems they got. If you give them God, you done gave them enough. Also, we need to tell people about Jesus. Acts 4 and 12, it lets us know. Neither is there salvation in any other, but there is none other name whereas heaven giveth among men whereby we must be saved. We got to tell people that they need Jesus. We got to tell them that. We got to tell them that. And then we get into this argument and all of our little meetings that we have, all of our thing. Uh, they saying that, you know, we losing young people. They ain't interested. They ain't this. They ain't that. We need to do something different. I come to beg to differ with you. Because Peter said in Acts 3 and 6, then Peter said, 
silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You can tell somebody that whatever they done went through, with Jesus, they can rise up and go on. Jesus don't need no bells and whistles to announce that he's coming. He don't need a marching band. All he needs is people that know him and know what he has done for them, telling somebody. And then the final thing that I want to say to you this morning is, you know, we say stuff all the time and it don't apply to you till you reach a certain age. When I used to hear people say, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. When I was young, that went right over my head. It was insignificant because I had not went through nothing. But to be 60 shortly, I think I can say that I'm old now. I've seen some things that have went on, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Now, just to give you a summary of some of the things that I've seen since I've been in New Mission when I was young, but now I'm old. Like I said, I'm soon to be 60. When I was a child, every other month, they would say, pray for Sister Johnny Hamilton. She ain't going to make it. When I checked this morning, Sister Johnny Hamilton hugged and kissed me on the way out the door. I was young, but now I'm old. I've seen some mothers in this church raise multiple children by they self and God. I'm young, but now I'm old. But the righteous, they have not been forsaken. Raise your hand. I'm young, I was young, but now I'm old. Raise your hand if you done been in the hospital with any kind of surgery and God done bought you out. Look at that. I was young, but now I'm old. But this one constant is I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Raise your hand if 
some terrible thing happened to you that you thought you were never going to be able to recover from it, but you done look back and that thing don't even bother you no more. I was young, but now I'm old. As a young person in the church, I seen a man named John Willis. Nobody could not tell me that John Willis didn't drink. I was young, but I was old. But then I seen not only did he quit drinking, he didn't go back and drink no more. Don't tell me what God can't do. We got some people in here that have lost everything. We've got some people in here that have had individuals that they thought would never walk away from them, walked away, and they still are here. I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen my mother get sick and say, I am all right. The only reason me and my sister was able to deal with it from the beginning, she said, I'm all right. God has been good to me. I done been where everywhere I wanted to be. I done did everything I wanted to do. So I'm ready. When we went to the doctor, when the doctor said, talk to your mama about some treatments, she told the doctor, shut up. She said, I'm their mama. They can't tell me what to do. He said, the only thing I told you was to tell them that I'm leaving here. That's your job. I only gave you one job. You didn't do that job right. She said, all I told you to do was tell my kids, I ain't going to make it, but you don't went in there and come with something else. And then the doctor say, she keep talking about some angels going to take care of her. I said, what is she talking about? I told him, ask her. I have been young. Now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor see begging bread. That young lady said she had three strokes. I'm young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You ought to have your own testimony. So today, when you leave here, I want you to say, I done made up my mind that I'm going to change something. I don't even care what it is. It ain't none of my business. But just do not keep coming. We are not a social club to gather on Sunday. We're supposed to be an army of soldiers fighting for the Lord. I was old. I'm old. I ain't going to say was, but I am old. I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. When you look throughout our congregation at all of these beautiful young women, 
that have been stricken with cancer in the prime of their life, but they keep saying that I love Jesus anyhow. I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I don't know your story. She sings that song in the choir. You don't know, you know. And nobody knows nobody's story. But let me tell you about a man that knows every one of our stories. He knows all the dirt that we did. He knows all the lies that we told. He knows all the places that we've been that we shouldn't have been. He knows every wrong thing that we have ever done. But in spite of that, he still loves us. I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We got some family, we got some members in here. Death done hit their family hard. Harder than most of us could take. But they're still here every Sunday. Because they might have been young. Now they're old. But they have not seen the righteous forsaken. They have not seen it. And why I said, I never seen it. I never seen it. I never seen it. And that needs to be our testimony that we have never seen it. I just implore a new mission. Let's get rid of our lukewarmness. Let's try to correct some of these things that need to be done. When I said that sometimes you say something, the pastor might couldn't say all this because y'all might have had an emergency meeting, tried to vote him out. But we really need to understand that Satan is fighting hard. He's fighting hard. He wants your kids. He wants you. He wants your marriage. He wants your finances. He wants your health. He wants it all. But in the name of Jesus, we declare today, he cannot have it. We refuse to give it to you because the devil is already defeated. He's already defeated. He's already defeated. Let me know if you know he's already defeated. If you're out there today and you don't know him, come meet a man. Come meet a man that'll change your life around. Come meet him.